Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Chris Rolls to bring us our second part of our two-part series. Now, if you didn't catch our first part of this two-part series, please head back to part one as we talk to Chris about his experience as a serial investor having built and sold four businesses, three of which were amongst the largest of their kind in Australia. But now here we are with part two of our two-part series where we turn the tables and talk to Chris about his position as a buyer. He founded PyLab Venture Partners in 2016, which is a venture capital fund that invests in early stage technology businesses focused on the real estate sector. And in this episode, we talk all about his experience as a buyer, what he's looking for in businesses on the market, and how it is that sellers can position their businesses to be attractive to buyers. So if you are looking to sell your business at any point in the future, or indeed you're involved in business sales or acquisitions in any way, shape or form, this episode is for you. So without further ado, here we go with our discussion with Chris. Chris, a huge thank you for coming back to us on the Deal Room podcast. <laughs> no problems, Joe. Good to be back. Oh, it's fabulous to have you back. Now, um, part one, for anyone who missed it, it's very interesting background um, to where we're going in part two, talking about your um, background in in buying and selling. Well, not buying businesses, selling businesses at that point. Now we're flipping um, the um, the viewpoint here and looking at what you're what you know as a buyer and those useful bits of information for um, any of our listeners out there who are looking at a sale into the future. Um, so, Chris, um, it, anyone who heard the story before will know a bit about your background, but very quickly in a nutshell, maybe we just start, um, if you can give us a quick overview of PyLab and then we'll get into um, your perspective as a buyer. Yeah, sure. So what PyLab is, is we're, we're a, a firm that invests in private businesses. So we uh, take varying stakes um, all the way through to 100% of them. So we're a bit like a private equity firm, although not like a more traditional private equity firm that buys businesses, grows them rapidly over a period of sort of three or four years and then sells them again. Uh, we have a sort of a much longer time horizon for that. And in an ideal scenario, we buy good businesses and hold onto them forever. Um, and, uh, and, and, and help those businesses grow. Uh, so that's what we do. We typically buy businesses that are generating sort of between one and three million dollars of EBITDA. So uh, they're not huge businesses, but they're also not sort of micro businesses as well. Um, and uh, we typically um, invest in sort of check sizes of sort of five to 15 million dollars is sort of our, our sweet spot. Um, 
And, uh, you know, like all private sort of equity groups, um, they all have different nuances and sort of some of the nuances that we're after particularly are, uh, are buying asset light businesses. So businesses that don't have lots and lots of, you know, heavy machinery and plant and equipment. Uh, and we like businesses with subscription or recurring revenue. And that's sort of, they're the sorts of businesses uh, that we like to acquire. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. And so um, uh, we we talked a lot in part one about um, the ideas or the learnings that you had as a seller. Of course, now you've had a lot more experience um, in in the market since you sold uh, your your previous businesses. Looking at businesses through the eyes of a buyer. And one of the things you said in our last episode, which I absolutely resonated with, is the importance for sellers in understanding what a buyer is looking for in their business, what creates value and risk in the in the eyes of a buyer, um, and essentially looking at their business with their goggles on as though they were a buyer. Um, of course, it's one thing to say that, it's another thing to actually give them that lens. And so that's what I'm hoping to do today in our discussion. Um, so why don't, um, why don't we start with what it is, so so you've talked about the sorts of businesses that you look to acquire, but what to you are the standouts that make a business valuable for you as acquirer versus uh, those businesses where you can see perhaps the sellers haven't understood the value in in uh, in a buyer's eyes? Yeah, sure. So there's a, a number of different things that we look for um, when we're buying a business, and and as we mentioned very briefly in the previous sort of uh, episode. Um, we're really trying to identify risk. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, as I said, when you when you go to buy a business, you don't know all of the risks um, and there are a whole bunch because you, you just don't have the knowledge that the seller has. So the sorts of things that we typically look for are histories of, uh, you know, stable revenue. You know, so where you've got a business that over the fa- last five years, the revenue has fluctuated from, you know, $3 million one year to $5 million the next to $4 million the year after to $7 million the year after that to $2 million the year after that, where you've got that very big volatility of revenue, those sorts of businesses are very difficult to sell and generally don't uh, attract you know, good multiples. And that's simply because of the volatility. Volatility is risk. Um, any business has a, a set of fixed overheads, and if this year the revenue is seven million dollars, but the risk is that next year it's going to be four, um, then that represents a big risk for the buyer of, of the business. So that's one of the first things: stability of revenue. Uh, and then, of course, uh, revenue is one thing, but profits are another. So um, just because you've got stable revenue doesn't mean you have stable profits. So, so looking at sort of the bottom line and sort of say, well, you know, a history of stable profits is is also an important thing. Um, they don't, you know, one of the really interesting things about businesses is that is that a lot of people have this perception that in order to get a good price for your business, it has to show, um, you know, rapid growth. Um, and that's not the case. That that's there's there's different buyers for different types of businesses. So when we look at a business, rapid growth is not something that is the be all and end all for us. It's always nice if a business is growing, and we don't like businesses that are shrinking. Um, but sometimes you see people when they're getting their business ready for sale, they're investing lots in sales and marketing to try and show large you know uh, you know amounts of growth. Now the problem with that is while that might make revenue grow it often adds a layer of cost that results in revenue growing um, and profits not growing or potentially profits shrinking, which strangely can actually detract from the value. 
Um, so seeing good linear growth in both revenue and profit is, is much more important than seeing off the charts revenue growth and, and you know, declining profits. Um, so that's uh, sort of another thing that, uh, that, that we look at. The third thing I think that is really important is understanding that when you are the owner of the business who's operating the business and you're selling it, one of the big questions in the eyes of the buyer is, is who's going to operate it um, you know, when they own it. Um, and so ensuring that you've got a solution for that. Now, that may be uh, an internal employee that you are grooming to take over the business. Um, it could be a really um, disciplined set of process and procedures in place that allow for someone to come in and run that much more easily than if they weren't there. Uh, so there's a, a few ways of mitigating that just because you have been running it doesn't mean you can't demonstrate that this is a business that can run well without you. Uh, of course, the best way of demonstrating that is, is actually having a business that runs without you. And, and interestingly, the business that, um, the last business that I sold, I did exactly that. I stepped out as the CEO two years before we sold it. Uh, it was under management, it continued to grow. Um, and it had a, you know, a good history of sort of, um, you know, stable revenue and stable profits, which made it a, an attractive asset for someone to buy. Um, and, and they're the sorts of things that I think are important. So when you sort of look at those stable revenue, stable profits, ideally growing, um, a solution for who's going to run the business. And then you sort of get into a whole myriad of other uh, you know, risk items, um, things like, you know, all of the contractual uh, issues internally in the business, contracts with suppliers, contracts with employees, um, uh, potential legal issues in the business. You've got the elements of financial due diligence. Uh, how much are we spending on sales and marketing? Are we getting returns for that? All of that sort of operational and financial due diligence that an astute buyer will do um, when buying your business. But those first three, I think, are probably the big deal breakers in most cases when people look at a business. Yeah, brilliant. And one of the things that we had talked about in the past was um, the opportunity that you see for sellers in staying around with the business. Of course, um, this is this is one of – it can be one of the tricky things. I find that when sellers get a mind – get an idea of sale in their mind, They that that's it. They want to get sold. They want to get out straight away. And, of course, that that absolutely can impact, number one, the pool of buyers and, number two, the value um, that they may have. And I guess part of, part of the issue is getting sellers to think about sale well in advance so that they're happy, so that they're happy to sell at a point where they are happy to still be engaged with the business for a while. Uh, perhaps, you know, give us some insight into the business owners that you've worked with and the reasons that they've um, been happy to stay around, the positives for you as a buyer and, and how it is that sellers recognize when that might be the optimal point for them to start thinking about sale, realising it might very well be a lot earlier than they'd otherwise realised. Yeah, sure. I think I mean, one of the things that, that I see a lot, particularly with older business owners, so people that are potentially contemplating retirement, uh, people that have been running their business for a long time, they, they often have this perspective that, for example, if they're going to retire, then their only option is to sell 100% of the business. Um, and and very often people get poor advice from accountants 
uh, along those lines, which is, you know, they go to their accountant and say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to retire. Um, what do I do? And the accountant says, well, you need to sell your business. Um, now, now, there are pros and cons of selling 100% of the business um, versus not selling 100% of the business. And most people don't really understand the nuances between the two. Um, and, and one of the things that we actually do um, when we're talking to business owners is really understanding what is it that they want. Uh, and one of the interesting things you find is that, you know, most people, you know, particularly when they're at retirement age, when they've spent a lifetime building a business, um, haven't really thought about what happens the day that they sell it. Um, what are they going to do each day? Um, and, you know, and, and often they feel lost. There's this, this uh, element of kind of, well, I've been going to work, you know, uh, for the last 20 years and I sold my business. It's settled yesterday. I have nothing to do today. And sometimes it takes them a little while to get to the point where they actually feel almost like a sense of loss. Uh, and sometimes it happens straight away. And, and one of the things that is a way of avoiding that is to stay involved in the business. Now, there's a few benefits of doing that. The first is, is that if you're a seller of a business and you're willing to retain, say, 30% of it, that says a lot to the incoming buyer in terms of your trust in this business's ability to continue to generate profits. It, it, it's a big risk mitigator in the eyes of a buyer. Um, now, having said that, it also adds some complexities as well. One of the things you need to do is you need to have a shareholders agreement in place. You'll need to have an understanding as to if you are retaining 30% of the business, what happens if you decide you don't get on with a new buyer and you want to be able to sell your 30%. Um, so there's lots of aspects of that, but they can all be dealt with in, in really um, sort of reasonable ways that protect the interests of both parties. Um, so one of the things that we do when we look at um, you know, a business is we have a, a really frank conversation with the owner about what do they really want? Because sometimes we see a business, and I'll give you an example of one. Um, we bought a business a couple of years ago. Um, it was a business where uh, in, in, in the IT sector, uh, husband and wife were running the business and uh, they, were, they originally had the business on the market to sell the whole thing. And a, uh, they actually had it actually under contract and it subsequently fell over. And when we got talking to them, it became clear that, um, you know, the, the husband quite liked running the business, probably wanted to continue it. Uh, his wife was more conservative, uh, wanted to potentially take some of the risk off the table. And we said to them, well, well how would you feel in a scenario where we bought 70% of the business, you retain 30% of the business, you stay on as the CEO, um, and we move forward, you know, you know, in what was an unexpected way for them. Uh, and they agreed on that, and we still work with them. They're our partners. They still own 30% of the business. The business is doing well, and it's been a, a great partnership. And you look at that and sort of say, it's a very different outcome. It was actually what they wanted, but they didn't, they, you know, no one had thought to mention that. Um, now, a big part of that is being able to trust the buyer that goes in, because obviously, if you're selling down 70%, um, you need to be able to trust the, 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 the party on the other side. Um, and that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is explaining how we operate, being very, very clear about the way that we like to operate a business. So in our business, uh, we like to operate businesses for maximum profit generation so they can pay dividends. We're not necessarily after, you know, a scenario where we grow a business by 50 or 100% a year. Um, and the reason behind that is that uh, reduces risk. Uh, if we're not sort of really pushing the boundaries on growth, uh, it also generates free cash flow for the seller. 
which is a really appealing scenario. So in a scenario where you keep 30% of the business, one of the interesting things is that you end up with a much better cash flow um, you know, position post-exit. And a lot of people don't sort of think about it. If you go and sell a business and you let's say you sold a business for whatever, $5 million, by the time, time you go and pay off some debt, maybe uh, you know, buy a holiday house, maybe pay off the mortgage, uh, you obviously have to pay tax on the proceeds. Uh, what you're left with is a much smaller proportion to then go and invest to fund potentially a retirement or if, you know, if that's what you're wanting to do. Um, and most people, when they then go to their financial planner, they're encouraged to invest in a portfolio of sort of shares or some residential property and their cash yield is sort of three to 5%, you know? So all of a sudden they sold the business for five, their proceeds were maybe only three by the time they paid all those expenses. They go and invest that and they get 5% a year. Um, you know, that's $150,000 a year when they could have been used to living off three or $400,000 a year. Whereas if they keep that 30% in there, first of all, they're not paying tax on that 30%. And in almost all cases, when we partner with someone in that scenario, we're able to increase the amount of dividends that are flowing out of that business. So while they may only keep 30%, they end up sort of getting cash flow that might be as close to sort of 50% of what they were getting previously. And the other thing, of course, is they get to stay involved. Um, they don't always stay on as the CEO. Sometimes they just join the board. Um, but we like having them around because they've got an, an element of knowledge. It de-risks things for us, um, you know, and uh, it, it also uh, enables the people that are working in the business to feel more comfortable that the person that they, you know, was their, their CEO, was the owner of the business, isn't sort of abandoning, abandoning them as well. So there's lots of advantages of that. You've just got to pick the right partner and that's an important thing. I love it. I think you're absolutely right. It is though absolutely about choosing the right partner, uh, the right buyer there. But I, I have some fabulous memories of clients I've worked with over the years. One comes to mind readily. Um, I worked with him in his sale. It was a great business. He built it up over 40 years um, and uh, and he sold the business uh, to, uh, to a large listed buyer. And, um, uh, and, and I'd call him, you know, once a month or every couple of months after the sale, just to check in and see how he was. He was still in the office there, the office that they had been in, you know, because the business moved out and in, into the, the business itself moved out of the premises. He's still there. He went back every day. I was like, what are you doing? He's still there. Why are you still there? Go and, you know, go, go on holidays with your poor wife who's been waiting for you to get out of this business. But he was so connected to the business. It, it literally took him about eight months to get out of that mindset. And he just would have loved an approach uh, like the approach that you're talking about here because, you know, it was his business baby. And that's and that's, uh, that's a sort of thing, unless you're an entrepreneur and have built a business, you probably don't realise the level of attachment that, that entrepreneurs have with their business. It's their legacy. And, um, you know, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why private equity sometimes gets a bad name. Now, now we are a private equity investor, meaning that we invest, uh, we acquire equity in private businesses, but we're not, uh, we don't have a fund structure that requires us to buy a business, grow it rapidly and sell it. We actually buy businesses and hold on to them for the long term, ideally forever and never sell them. 
Uh, that's our preferred, you know, scenario. Um, and so one of the things we find is that we are quite a, um, a preferred buyer of business because we don't go to try and strip costs out in order to rapidly grow profits. Um, we don't, you know, um, you know, uh, dress the business up for a quick sale three or four years later. We don't merge it into another business, which means that people lose their, you know, lose their jobs. The most important thing for us is uh, really focusing on finding a good business with good long-term partners and continuing to run it largely as it has been run before, but introducing little tweaks in order to improve the performance over the long term. So because we don't have to sell it in three years, we don't have to do things really quickly. We can you know, work on the you know, improvement over multiple, multiple years. Um, and that's one of the things that, that's one of the reasons people like selling businesses to us. Brilliant. Look, Chris, um, a huge thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Um, look, I, I think you've given a lot of information that will be really useful for our um, sellers and for our buyers out there. Um, how about you let us know how it is, if any of our listeners um, uh, would like to get in contact with you, find out a little bit more about PyLab um, or think they might have a uh, an opportunity for you perhaps to partner with, how do they find you? Sure. I mean, the easiest way is to go to our website, um, PyLab, P-I-E-L-A-B.com.au. Um, and you know we're pretty easy to get in contact with uh, from from there. You know, and if uh, if there are listeners out there that have a business, uh, feel free to get in touch. Even if you don't think it's going to fit or it might not be big enough, um, we often stay in touch with people for multiple years um, before you know they're ready to sell the business. Um, and that's actually a good thing because it allows them to generate you know build a relationship with us and learn how we operate. Um, you know, we bought a business last year that we were in touch with the owner for sort of four years, um, you know, uh, before we actually acquired it. And that's um, not an uncommon thing. We're in, we're not necessarily in any hurry. Um, what we want is the right outcome for everyone so that um, everyone works together and, and gets, gets a good outcome moving forward. I've got so many ideas for other podcasts in the future where I want to drill into that a bit more. But Chris, for <laughs> sure. now, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to The Deal Room. It's been a real pleasure having you. No worries, Joe. It's been fun having a conversation. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com. Dot com, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode, as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favourite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. 
am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.